Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Sean Burris, host of the Shadow Nation podcast for the last 13 and a half years. Over that time, I've had the opportunity to interview some of the world's leading experts in the field of the paranormal. I've also interviewed stars from some of the most epic horror films around today. My love for both is what started me down this road of podcasting and led me to host Extreme Paranormal on A&E and to participate in several shows on Sci-Fi, Bio, Travel Channel, and of course, Destination America. I love what I do. I love researching the paranormal. Growing up with a ghost in your house will do that to you. Longtime listeners to the show will know that I grew up with the ghost of a lady in my house that was seen by my whole family. We all live with it every day. This is something people all over the world do every day. They live with the paranormal. People always ask me, if ghosts are real, why don't we all see them everywhere? My response is always, well, how long have you been looking for? Somebody in the field once told me that anything you hunt long enough, sooner or later, it starts hunting you. I've found this to be true over the years. And I've experienced a lot of weird things, but not just by investigating and researching, but by doing this podcast and interviewing guests that had activity following them that would eventually end up affecting my family and I. My co-host Nathan was attacked. I remember during the interview with the owner of one of America's most cursed artifacts, the Dybbuk box, blue bruises appeared on his back out of nowhere. And of course, my home almost blew up with gas the shadows in the basement, knocking noises and whispers throughout my home, and my family and I was forced to flee our home in the middle of the night. That was a little close to home, and over the years I've experienced many things like that. This episode is a little different. Usually we start the show with my intro and going into some weird and funny news, but this episode is what I'm calling the Shadow Nation Dark Series. Because as we speak, I'm dealing with activity. Things that are happening around my home that I believe have been brought on by this interview. Now in this episode, it's Dr. Richard Gallagher from Columbia University and of course the International Association of Exorcists. He has counseled many priests over the years and he has dealt with people who claim to be possessed by demonic forces. During this interview, I heard interference on the line. Something that doesn't happen a lot. At the time, I thought it was feedback resonating from either his phone or my microphone. You will notice during the show I had sound issues with my level board. It started showing that somebody was screaming, even though clearly the doctor was not. This started when he was speaking about the case of Julia, which was a young lady possessed by demons, and the priest came to Dr. Gallagher for help. I'm not saying it's demonic. And I'm not saying it isn't. I'm saying it's up to you to decide. But I will say it was definitely strange. As some of you might know, when I first booked the interview and hung up the phone with Dr. Gallagher, 
that night in the house. While my family slept upstairs, I had knocking sounds that started in the studio where I had called Dr. Gallagher. As I went to check on the sounds in the upstairs studio, the knocking sounds shifted, and now they were heard downstairs. There was no reason for that, none whatsoever. Again, I'm not saying it was paranormal activity, but what I am saying is there was no explanation that I could find. Over the years of dealing with this, I've been affected and so has my family. I accept the responsibility because I'm passionate about this field and I won't stop. So before we start, I want to let you, the listener, know that Dr. Gallagher advised you all to be careful and to pray before you listen to this interview. Whether you believe or not, things are out there that affect us every day. Things we can't see. Things that hide in the shadows and wait. Just the other day, I went to get in my car and I noticed the rosary that was hanging from my rearview mirror. It had the crucifix torn off and it was thrown on the passenger seat. Nobody had been in my car for three days before that. I don't know what to think about it. But I guess at the end of the day, you have to decide how much is coincidence. The things happening around the house after this interview, the knocking sounds, the crucifix, and the voice that I believe you will hear during this interview. So I hope you enjoy this special Shadow Nation episode that I'm calling The Dark Series. Because this is something dark that you're experiencing with me as it happens. Listener caution is advised. It's such a treat, Doctor, to have you back on. I had you on years ago. I think it's been like six years ago before everybody started beating down your door. <laughs> and, I mean, you're all over the place now. I see articles every day about the amazing work you've been doing. And I tell you, before we get into it, because I want to go into your background and something I never got to ask you last time, how you got into it and everything else. I want to cover that tonight. But thank you so much for being here with me. And I wanted to tell you, we spoke. And for you listeners out there, Shadow Nation, I got to talk to the doctor. I think it was Sunday night. And I was telling you a little bit before when we got off the phone. And this isn't a first time for me, but it, it was a lot different here. When we got off the phone and just talking about you coming on tonight, I had strange occurrences happen around the house. Um, I had the uh, classic, I know it sounds cliche, but I had the three knocks on the walls up here in studio where I was talking to you. I went downstairs to watch uh, Sunday night football, and I had the three knocks come from the kitchen, ran upstairs. The dog and cat were sound asleep with uh, the wife and the baby. A couple things, you know, downstairs door opened, and I got this real feeling because I was raised Catholic, Baptist. Mom was Catholic, dad was Baptist, and I got this real strong feeling that I wasn't alone. And I went live on Facebook to the listeners and I was telling them what was coming up with Dr. Gallagher on tonight. And I was trying to get it on video, but just like any coward, it wouldn't do it while I was live. Is that something people experience with you, Dr. Gallagher? Uh, sadly, too often, you know, uh, evil spirits absolutely not only seem to be able to harass us, but also just cause odd interference, you know, with different things in our lives, uh, including, you know, electronic communications and stuff like that. So, hey, it's all par for the course, you know. 
Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that stuck with me uh, years ago when you came on the show, you said, you know, nothing's impossible with God. You got God on your side. You're already winning with this with this stuff, you know, because uh, God's over the devil. And that stuck with me and it resonated with me. And I tell you, I had the owner of the Divic box. I don't know if you're familiar. It's a Jewish artifact. It was a wine box uh, used during World War II. Not a lot was used, uh, known about it, but, you know, people throughout history, uh, throughout the years have had these experiences with this box. And I had the owner come on the show, and I truly believe it tried to kill my family. I mean, I came home from work one night, uh, lightning had struck my car, started a fire in the house. I seen shadows in the basement when I went to reset the uh, fuse box. Uh, my house was the only one affected. Then the gas main blew. The guy came out to the house and said, you got to get your family out of the house. Now, this all happened within 15 minutes of receiving, getting off the interview and opening the book titled The Dybbuk Box that the owner of the box had sent me, wrote a book. It, what do you think about stuff like that? With God on my side, being Catholic and everything, why would you think so? And I'm, I'm a skeptic. I'm, I know this stuff exists. I, I grew up with it in the house, not demonic, but I grew up with there was an apparition in the house. Mom seen it. Dad seen it. So I never had a chance not to believe. But with God on my side, why do you think that kind of stuff happened in my house if it was demonic? Well, people who, who kind of touch this subject, um, they, they, they do make themselves a little bit vulnerable. I remember referring uh, a, a person that uh, I thought was uh, seriously uh, demonically harassed to a colleague of mine, and you know there are there are um, associates that I have that that believe as I do, uh, other doctors and and psychiatrists. And he called me the next day after evaluating this particular case, and he said, um, you know, uh, Rich, I had a uh, a little fire in my office last night uh, right after I saw this person. So, you know, it's an area that um, can be a little uh, can be a little dangerous. Uh, you, you need to protect yourself. Uh, I certainly wouldn't do this work, uh, Mr. Burris, if I didn't have a lot of people praying for me. And uh, obviously, you need to keep up your spiritual uh, life. But no, nobody is n nobody is completely immune. Sure, sure. And I want to jump especially, into especially when you, you know, when you when you sort of, you know, willingly or not get involved in this stuff. Uh, you know, everything I've done in this field, you, you started by talking about, you know, how the heck did I get involved in this? Yes. Everything I've done in this field, I've been asked to do. And of course, as a physician, you know, I'm basically trying to help people who suffer from one thing or another. So when a couple of priests originally asked me to help them out evaluating cases, uh, I agreed to do it, as I think any any good physician who uh, might believe in this stuff would be inclined to do. And then I was asked to join, you know, the International Association of Exorcists as a uh, scientific observer, and then I was asked to do some writing in this area. More recently, I was asked to do a book, which HarperCollins is going to publish uh, next year. So everything I've done uh, has been because somebody's asked me to do. I guess I think maybe that's a little bit providential, but I... But I don't I don't mean to imply that there isn't, you know, a little bit of risk in this field, too. There is for anybody who decides to get involved. Sure. 
But sure. you know, we also we trust in God's grace, and we 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 trust uh, that He also will uh, protect us from ever, from any little uh, nuisances that that occur to us too. Well, let's talk about that, uh, Doctor Geller, because you've done so much, and you've helped so many people on a spiritual level, and you've also, I mean, you've helped the church, you've helped all these people, and you also help in a professional. Uh, as a professional in the field of psychiatry, uh, you're a board certified psychiatrist in New York. Uh, you know, you're a professor at New York Medical College, Columbia University staff you set on, and you're also a member of the International Association of Exorcists. When you were a young man, when you first got into this, did you grow up Catholic? Did you have any spiritual beliefs? Yeah, I did. I did grow up in, in a uh, Irish Catholic family, and, uh, you know, I certainly went to Mass every Sunday and that sort of thing. And, and you'd hear the stories about from the Gospels about uh, Jesus delivering people from possession. I, I just thought it was, you know, very, very rare stuff, something I would never come across. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought it certainly was possible that some of those cases might have been simply medically ill and, you know, the culture didn't have uh, a full understanding of that. Um, but, you know, I've come to believe over the years that while these events, especially the more dramatic uh, kind of attacks like possessions, are uncommon, they're just not quite as rare as I thought, and that I've seen many of these cases because I've had so many people knocking on my door. Right. Uh, not too long ago, after I had had you on, I had uh, Father Gary Thomas. Um, of course, sure. he, Gary's 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 actually a friend of mine, and uh, you know, good good priest and knowledgeable exorcist out in California. Yeah, and he came on the show, and of course, he was the uh, subject matter for the book "The Right" by Matt Baglio, and of course, the movie. And he That's came, right. That's he, right. yeah, and he told me. I said, Doctor uh, Gallagher's been on the show, and he told me you guys uh, knew each other and you were friends. And he said that your work that you had done was really amazing, and I started looking into more and more after I got off the phone, after you got off the line with me, and I started looking at what you did. You have been attacked on so many different fronts from being a man of science and being in this field. How do you think that's affected you in professional life uh, in every aspect? Well, you know, most of the work I do as a psychiatrist is is typical psychiatric work i do uh you know i do therapy with people and uh sometimes people need medication uh and i do a lot of teaching you know i'm associated with both uh, new york medical college uh and columbia university columbia um uh, college of physicians and surgeons and it doesn't the topic really doesn't come up mr burris with 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 most people. So I actually have not felt particularly, you know, harassed by anybody in the profession. I, obviously, this is a topic that is controversial and that some people in the mental health field would, uh, you know, dismiss as, as nonsense and all that. But, uh, you know, you, you don't get a lot of people who challenge you personally you know you get some of these uh, armchair experts i i call them um who may attack you online sure. uh anonymously but i really haven't run into any uh professional 
hostility or uh, opposition. So it is what it is. You know, we're a country that is pretty uh, tolerant of uh, different religious beliefs. And uh, I think a lot of my colleagues, you know, know what I do, but they just say, well, you know, Gallagher's a, a well-trained, good psychiatrist, and sure. he can believe what he wants about this other stuff. Right. Now, let me ask you about the International Association of Exorcists, because you are a member of that. It, it wasn't rec- – I thought it was formed by the Vatican, but it was actually recognized in 2014 uh, as a means to combat demons, uh, demonic activity on U.S. soil. First of its kind, but I think it's the only of its kind. How was that formed, and how did you get involved in that? Well, again, like everything else I've been involved in, uh, you know, I was asked if I wanted to uh, become a member. You know, I should emphasize uh, I don't I don't speak for the organization, and the organization doesn't speak for me. Mm-hmm. But it's it's basically a collection primarily of exorcists and a few, you know, relatively prominent exorcists got together in the early '90s and they said, you know, we ought to be meeting with each other. We ought to be learning from each other. Um, and, you know, we ought to have a conference every couple of years, which which happens in Italy. It's an international organization. Uh, there were two American priests who happened to be the most um, experienced American priest at the time in this field. I, I To this day, I still don't mention their names. But they were priests in good standing, and they were the ones who asked originally for my help. And then I would say about a year or two later, they were very instrumental, these two American priests, along with several priests from Europe, uh, including um, the most famous one I mentioned, because he's, um, you know, uh, made himself public before his death last year. Father uh, Gabriel Amorth. It was also uh, the first president was a uh, another guy who's alive and has has written books about this subject. So those are the kind of people that I mentioned their name. And that was a guy named Father Jeremy Davies, who was the first president of the organization. He was a priest and an exorcist and uh, also uh, a psychiatrist, by the way. Right. So uh, I wasn't the only uh, mental health person. Uh, I certainly wasn't the only American. There were other Americans, but as it turned out, you know, I'm now the uh, the longest standing American member. And you know, as a mental health person, I, I guess I would be described as uh, an auxiliary member because it's primarily an organization of uh, exorcists, and by and large, a bunch of uh, you know very wonderful uh, Catholic priests uh, who are sensible and educated and also want to make sure that uh, they're careful in discerning uh, cases and differentiating them from, you know, medical or psychiatric conditions. You know, one of your quotes, one of your uh, one of my favorite quotes, just paraphrasing here, uh, you said they're very smart. The intelligent level of a fallen angel. They're very, very smart. And of course, that that stuck with me as somebody who studies these things and somebody that's grew up with, uh, you know, the paranormal in the house. I wouldn't go as far as saying it was demonic. Uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I, I, I remember the priest coming over the house, doing a blessing every week and nothing ever happened. You would see the lady in the home. My parents seen it. She never bothered anything. Um 
You said that about these demons. A lot of people would say, especially with the ghost craze now, you got to, you know, ghost hunter shows, and most of them are fake. Uh, I would say a good percentage of them, but you know that's entertainment value. The American population almost knows they're being psyched out because nobody wants to watch somebody with a recorder sit in a dark hallway for five days trying to get a whisper on tape or something. You know, it makes for bad TV. Um, but when you said that, you had such a grasp on your enemy. You know, it, a lot of people would just say that's demon. It was a nasty, evil thing. But you sound like you have such a grasp on the psyche of these these beings, these fallen angels. What do you think? Well, as from your biblical background, I guess, how can you prepare yourself mentally to be in the same room with someone that has these entities inside them? You have to be almost perfect. Uh, from what I've heard from priests, you have to not well, perfect, but, you know. Yeah, well, I'm far from perfect, but uh, you, you do have to prepare yourself spiritually. As I said, one of the things I've always done over the years, uh, just for my own protection and the protection of those close to me, is uh, I've had a lot of people, you know, keep me in their prayers. So for all those reasons, uh, you don't go into this uh, lightly or willy-nilly. Uh, you do have to have some spiritual protection. On the other hand, again, uh, if, if, if you do that, there may be a few things like have happened, in fact, to you as well, that that can happen to people in this field. But uh, we we do rely on God's protection. You know, of course, one of the stories, Doctor, and I know you get sick of hearing this, but I got to do it because the listeners, especially the new ones that uh, somehow don't know who you are, they would kill me if I didn't ask this. But one of the first cases you worked on or one of them that was publicized, you'd wrote an article about it that caught my eye was, of course, the woman we now know as Julia. Um, of course, right. that wasn't her real name. 39-year-old woman uh, claimed to be possessed by demonic forces. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that case and your experiences with that? Well, I, I, I wrote an article about that case, and, and I, I cover her even much more extensively than ever before in, in the book that's coming out next year. If you don't mind me mentioning the title, no, it's please. called Demonic Foes by HarperCollins, and um, again, something I was asked to do. And I can't wait for that to come out. Do we have a month, a date on that? It'd probably be sometime in the middle uh, in the middle of next year. So we, we, we got we got still a while. Cannot wait. Yeah, the, 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 the full title is Demonic Foes, and I think they've changed the subtitle a little bit or asked me to change it. It's my 25 years as a psychiatrist investigating demonic possessions diabolic attacks because there's other type of attacks than possessions obviously right. and uh, and the paranormal and so they asked me to uh share uh, whatever thoughts i have about the paranormal uh, much of a, much of which is demonic by the way the uh enemies we're talking about these evil spirits have not only uh, a level of intelligence beyond human beings uh, but they also have some psychic powers uh, beyond ours, and so they can create a lot of mischief. Those of us who are Catholic do believe that, from biblical evidence, that they are fallen angels, and they're basically angels who had decided to rebel against uh, God. Strangely, I suppose, seem to be very interested in uh, attacking uh, human beings uh, and trying to corrupt us uh, even more than just harass and attack us. 
and um, they uh, have some abilities to do that. Now, their 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 abilities are constrained by God. They can only go so far. Um, but strangely, they they do have this uh, desire as well to try to destroy human beings. I, I think part of it is that they know that we, you know, can go to uh, can go to God, can go to heaven uh, still, and and they have forsworn that. They've basically renounced God and rebelled against God, so they have cut off their chances to do that because in a way they 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 want to rebel against God. The case you are alluding to uh Sean uh was not unusual for uh somebody who um, had made her own pact with uh that world uh, and Satan and she was a devil worshipper. And um, I'm not saying that all people who get possessed are devil worshippers, but uh, that's probably a pretty good way of having it happen to you. It was such a dramatic case and illustrated so many of the criteria that we um, look for in rigorously diagnosing possessions, because possessions should be diagnosed uh, rigorously whether it's by uh, an exorcist or or someone that they consult, and they often consult uh, knowledgeable uh, physicians like myself. But this woman uh, clearly had so many of the criteria of a classic possession and had such an obvious reason that she had been become possessed, which is that she had turned to Satan and turned to uh, devil worship, um, that I, I thought it, I thought it was worthwhile to write about it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you said so, so many of the signs of demonic possession, which would be knowledge of the unknown, as one of them. Uh, you, are you there? Oh, Have you been present for these tests? At what part do you step in? Is it first before the priest gets there, or how does it work? Well, it really varies from case to case. I mean, some of the cases are much more subtle. And that may be cases where the exorcists particularly want my opinion. They just may be less obvious cases. Uh, most good, experienced exorcists, you know, I would say the people I worked with originally, um, and I saw a lot of cases because there were so few exorcists at the time yeah. that they would see cases all over the country and, you know, invite me to, to join them. Uh, Gary Thomas is another good example. He's a, a very experienced exorcist. So a lot of the, the, the more experienced exorcists can discern these things on their own. Still, if they're cautious people, as they probably should be, they often want uh, input from uh, a health professional uh, like myself as well. There are dioceses, especially in the United States, where that's required, uh, but uh, that that isn't always the case around the world. And sometimes some priests tell me that it's hard to find physicians who believe in this stuff. Uh, even though there are many who do, and many uh, current members like myself of the International Association of Exorcists. So the the long story short, it really depends on an individual case, um, but I've certainly um, examined and evaluated 
uh, for the church. Of course, I'm not an exorcist myself. Uh, you know, scores of cases, uh, probably, uh, undoubtedly hundreds of cases. Sometimes it is uh, important that they have a more uh, medically trained person to help them differentiate these cases. And the criteria has to be very rigorous. The um, priest's own uh, uh, criteria are mentioned in, in, in the manual that contains the Roman ritual, which are the prayers for a major exorcism. And it suggests in the preface to that uh, venerable book that the priest exorcist is supposed to have moral certainty. In other words, they're supposed to be quite sure that they're dealing with that and not just someone who is uh, uh, medically or psychiatrically ill. So you get these criteria and these uh, classic ones that you were mentioning, uh, Mr. Burris, like um, out of the person who is possessed mouth, often when they're in a trance, um, they will speak foreign languages or exhibit a tremendous amount of strength, or they will have this hidden knowledge that they would have no way of knowing otherwise. And and there are other, there are other um, criteria too, although those are some of the most classic ones. They're the classic ones because they show so clearly that you're dealing with an independent creature. Uh, You know, obviously human beings don't have those abilities, so it has to be coming from some other realm. And demonic spirits, like angels, by the way, uh, are very intelligent, and they have some of these superior abilities. So when you see a person who uh, experiences usually feeling attacked, uh, and they're expressing a lot of hatred all of a sudden for r- religious stuff. And then they have these various uh, criteria, which vary from case to case. Uh, you know you must be dealing with some kind of uh, entity beyond, uh, beyond the human. Right. You know, I often tell people, uh, how, do you, how do you explain the fact that a fair amount of people, again, it's not common, it's rare, but a fair amount of people, if you really pay attention, and these are the people who often find their way to my door, if you have people who claim that they are being attacked by some kind of spiritual world, well, almost by definition, you're dealing then with an evil spirit. Uh, once you've ruled out that, you know, this is some trick of their mind or something. And so those those are an example of the kind of uh, features, symptoms uh, that you look for uh, to make sure that you, you're not just dealing with someone who is deluded or, uh, uh, you know, has a, a, a very suggestible mentality or something, but that you're dealing with a true spiritual entity that is uh, beyond the human. Now, Doctor, of course, you know I'm fascinated by you. I'm your number one fan here, and I love your work you've done, and and I can't wait for this book. But you walked me through the case, I believe it was with Julia, years ago. And, you know, you told me, Father uh, Thomas told me, several priests that have came on the show that deal with this have all said, you know, of course, the obvious. You don't believe Hollywood. There's no spinning heads and pea soup. But... 
there are aspects, otherworldly things that can occur during these exorcisms, and you've actually experienced them some experienced some of these. Can you walk me through some? Tell me some of the stuff. Like with Julia, well, you had an amazing story. I, ha- I have I have experienced um, you know witnessed some very odd things during exorcisms, uh, and I've also uh, witnessed or at least spoken to other people who have uh, witnessed a lot of this stuff, too. Now, in Julia's case, uh, even outside of her exorcisms and even outside of her uh, states of when she was in a states of possession, because for most people, and there's, there's almost an exception to every rule, but, you know, I'm giving some general rules. For most people who are possessed, the, the demon seems to... Uh, surface at times and then retreat and so it will manifest itself uh, sometimes only at certain times and 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 often reluctantly for instance the demonic spirit may not spontaneously appear except during an exorcism when they're forced to because uh, their life is 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 one of subterfuge and they are often trying to not only um, hide themselves uh, but pretend they're something else. And, and they do things like pretend they're dead souls, by the way. Right. Um, but in Julia's case, uh, I did not go to any of her exorcisms, although I spent a lot of time with her because the, the priest, the two exorcist priests who were working with her, I suppose you could say they were a little frustrated that she seemed to be quite ambivalent. So they wanted her to talk to me not because they didn't know at that point that she was possessed. They, they, they were, again, two of the most experienced exorcists probably America has ever had. Uh, they became good friends of mine. They're both deceased now. But they, they, they knew darn well that, that Julia was possessed. Now, I, I, I did witness quite a few things because, as I said, even outside of her possess, possessed state and her exorcism, she had some remarkable powers, and we think that's because she was a a high priestess of a uh, satanic cult. Uh, At least that's what she claimed. Then during the exorcisms, I spoke not only to the two priests, obviously, they would keep me informed. Uh, The exorcisms, you know, weren't being done right around where I live, so uh, I didn't have an opportunity, being a busy professional, to go to them all. But um, all the people I talked to who participated in her exorcism uh, said that all the classic features were there. So she would be held down, but she exhibited tremendous strength, kind of um, exhausting uh, all the people who were trying to restrain her, that during the exorcism she spoke multiple languages, uh, and, and certainly... Even outside of the exorcism, she had revealed even to me a great deal of of what's called hidden knowledge in Latin, which is called uh, laetra, again, far beyond what she could have done uh, in any way on her own. I mean, it was just impossible that she knew so many hidden facts about things. Right. Uh, and then also during the exorcism, all the people, and I'm talking about 10 people, including the exorcist, all vouch for me that she had levitated during the uh, exorcist, which is, again, unusual. It often indicates a severe case, 
but it's not so unusual that it hasn't been reported in other cases and by other witnesses and exorcists uh, of my acquaintance. I mean, I've heard of at least, I'd say, 15 modern cases where um, the person I was talking to said, yes, they witnessed uh, the, the, the case of the person levitating. Uh, again, I've never seen it myself, but I, I'm also aware from historical cases because I've I've studied this stuff from a historical point of view as well, and I, I realize that that sort of thing can happen. Right. Um, so Julia Julia was a particularly dramatic uh, case, filled with uh, what some people would call paranormal, but what what is in fact uh, clearly diabolic activity. And you know, you told me a story one time about the cats. Can you tell that one again about that experience? Well, that happened actually when I when I first uh, was introduced to her, uh the the particular exorcist, uh, one of the two that did the exorcisms for her. Um and I, I wasn't too happy that he did this. He he introduced me and I think he was eager to get my opinion. So, he introduced uh, the woman we're calling Julia, this uh, high priestess in a yeah. satanic cult, uh, which again, and, and you know, I don't want to exaggerate that satanic cults are all over the place, but there's a there's a few that exist, and she was very prominent in one. Uh, we knew that for a fact, and um, so he brings this woman to my house. That's uncommon, well, right, doctor? I mean, that doesn't happen a lot. Come to your home. Uh, well, it should never happen. Right. And, uh, you know, I later told the priest that, you know, please don't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, he was eager to get my help, and, you know, so it happened, and, you know, he was acting in good faith. Sure. Um, the night the night before, so he, he brought it to my house in the morning, and the night before, in the middle of the night, my wife and I were sleeping, and all of a sudden we were awakened by our two cats. We had two cats and a dog at the time, and the two cats used to sleep in our bed. And all of a sudden, they were viciously fighting each other in a way that, you know, had never happened before. I mean, you know, cats can be frisky, but, you know, they certainly were not uh, in any way violent cats or anything. And they were clawing each other and, and, and hitting each other. And uh, we literally had to separate them. We had to put one in one room and another in another room. And uh, you know, it was it was a strange it, it, it was a strange thing that happened. But uh, we chalked it up that maybe they had eaten bad food, or maybe they had catnip or something. Right. And I didn't think that much of it, although it, it certainly was a somewhat of a bizarre incident to happen in the middle of the night. Now, I had no idea, of course, uh, that this priest was going to bring this woman to my house the next day. Yeah. So I, I meet her at the door, and uh, the priest introduces us, and the first thing out of Julia's mouth was, uh, well, Dr. Gallagher, nice to meet you, and by the way, how did you like those cats last night? Yeah, isn't that amazing? Um, <laughs> Jeez. I didn't have a particularly good reaction to, to her saying that. I, I, I suppose it was mainly uh, a reaction of astonishment. And, um, you know, she kind of smirked. She never really apologized. Uh, 
which was a little off-putting, but uh, she clearly knew about it. And and the priest, the priest didn't know about it. And um, you know, literally, no human being would have known that story because the only person who would have known that story were my wife and I. Right. Now you know, so we're, as we sit here talking on the uh, <laughs> on the air right here. I noticed my, and I'm not trying to say this is any kind of interference spiritually, but my board is shooting up and down on your levels, saying that you're screaming into the microphone, into the phone, and you're clearly not. Um, and you told me a story. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with this, but I know I'm recording you, so we're going to push on. But uh, you told me a story one time about these things can interfere with electronics. On the phone, you had an experience. Well, they can not only interfere with electronics and cause cause different problems. I mean, sometimes even shutting off electronics. Uh, and again, uh, this is not a peculiar belief of mine or experience of mine. I've, I've talked to many people in this field who mention there's this uh, sometimes when they're discussing a case or something, you know, strange things happen to their phone or their computer. I think, Mr. Burris, what you may be referring to is there was a particularly um, bizarre thing that happened when I was on the phone speaking to the exorcist about uh, when the uh, exorcist, when when the next exorcism she had about eight altogether, when the next exorcism wow. of Julia would would take place. The bizarre thing that happened is as the exorcist and I were speaking, the demonic voice uh, came in over the phone. Now, Julia was uh, nowhere in, in our area. We knew she, where she was. She was about a thousand miles away. Right. And I had heard that demonic voice come out of her when she went into a temporary possessed state. And that exact same voice again, expressing much the same sentiments, came over the phone. And uh, I heard it very distinctly. And so I said to the priest, you know, did you hear, did you just hear what I heard? And I remember what he said to me. He said, yes, uh, Rich, uh, this this is a very severe case, and, and this is the kind of thing that can happen. And it had happened uh, in conversations with each of the two exorcists before. And what what the um, the demonic voice, which was, you know, clearly not her own, what the demonic voice um, in 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 a in a kind of uh, angry raspy voice was saying was uh, I'm not going to try to imitate it, but it was like uh, leave her alone. Right. Uh, you effing, excuse the the term, you effing priest. Um, she's ours, and we'll never let her go. Uh, and that had been sentiments that I had already heard from her when I had been in her presence with the priest uh, a few weeks earlier. So even though Julia was a thousand miles away, this evil spirit could come in over the phone and try to you might say threaten um or at least boast to the the priest primarily i thought but also in my hearing 
that um, they did not appreciate his efforts to try to liberate her and that they would never leave her. Now, it was it was uh, somewhat of a hair raising experience. Uh, I can I imagine. Doctor, do you think it, now when you heard that voice, was it human like you and I talk and you and the priest are having a conversation? You're talking about the case. You hear this voice come out. Was it an electronical type voice that was over the line? Did it sound like interference? What, what was it like? No, it was very clear. I mean, it sounded like a human voice, uh, but it, it was different in quality than than Julia's own voice. Uh, and it sounded uh, very boastful and very arrogant. Uh, at one point, I remember it called the priest, you monkey priest, which I guess is, is about what that world thinks of human beings is just sort of monkeys, advanced uh, animals, advanced monkeys. Right. Uh, but it was it was clearly uh, a distinct creaturely voice. And uh, again, it was speaking in English. Now, I've heard demonic uh, voices in a number of different languages. So it, it was obviously speaking in English because, uh, you know, the priest and I are uh, English-speaking people, so it was it was trying to give us a message. Right. Um, but I, I, I believe that these creatures uh, have been around for ages and ages, even, even before the dawn of man, and because of their intelligence— they can speak different languages. And I, I've heard a number of different languages, and I've had other people who, especially exorcists, who have, you know, had the same experience. You know, I remember an exorcist from uh, who had Bulgarian parents. He was an American with Bulgarian parents, but he spoke Bulgarian, and he told me, well, during, during uh, an exorcism he did, the evil spirits spoke um, Bulgarian. And uh, a lot of times when the priest is saying uh, um, the prayers, uh, some of the priests, especially in those days, preferred uh, to use the Latin version of the um, Roman Roman Rite exorcism prayers. And, uh, I mean, I've observed a number of exorcisms where clearly, even though the individual uh, who's possessed has no awareness of Latin. A lot of times they, they may not even be, you know, Catholic. Um, uh, they, the demon is clearly following along uh, with the Latin. And uh, once once I had a priest who uh, was uh, decided to say the uh, Apostles' Creed in Latin, right. and this is a woman who had not been brought up Catholic, um, and she had a, you know, about an eighth grade education. She certainly was not wow. a maven of uh, language, and 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 the demon was, and and again, I studied Latin uh, in high school and college, and uh, the demon was clearly following along, and he was making snide uh, comments about um, what the priest was saying, you know. For instance, the the prayer starts, uh, Credo uh, in Unum Deum Omnipotentum, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And um, the demon would say, well, I don't, things like that, making right. sarcastic remarks. So, uh, again, as in Julia's case, which was particularly dramatic, um, people experienced her speaking different languages, and, and, and she, did, she didn't know those other languages, so... You Once know what, again, you had clear evidence that you were dealing with a, uh, uh, a different sort of creature than uh, than a human being. 
You know, it's been six years, roughly six years, maybe five, since I got to speak to you last time, Dr. Gallagher, because huh. you're so busy. You're all all over the place, um, and you do so much work. I don't know how you have time to write a book, but <laughs> you, you sure did, so I can't wait for that. To, but you did make a comment earlier about three types of activity when dealing with this diabolic possession and the paranormal. Could you break them down? For me, the diabolic, of course, I know what that is, but I don't know how can a person be under a diabolic influence, I guess, and not be possessed. Can you can you educate me on that? This is this is a topic that uh, especially in the uh, Christian tradition and, and perhaps especially in the Catholic Church. But uh, Protestant experts are, are very well aware of what I'm saying. Um there are different levels of attack. Uh, people use different terminology. Uh, the terminology most Americans use, experts in this area use, is demons have varying levels of intensity with which they they can attack people. Um, the most severe is possession, where they actually control in some ways the the body the voice the consciousness of the individual and that's where they kind of temporarily have full control of the um, possessed victim uh, again it's 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 rare but again it's not so rare that you know somebody who's an exorcist would never see a case right. um, although although I do know exorcists who have never seen a case uh, and, and they are often dealing with the second category uh, that I prefer to use the term oppression some people use the term vexation or harassment yes. where the evil spirit is clearly attacking the individual but has not the ability to fully uh, take them over. And those attacks are, are varied. They can be attacks uh, internally. They can be attacks externally. Uh, I like to use the term internal and external oppression. An external oppression would be a case where somebody gets beat up by evil spirits or choked or scratched or something, but they retain their own their own consciousness. Okay. And then uh, most Christian thinkers over the ages have said that uh, there's a third type of demonic attack, and that's what we traditionally call temptation, where uh, the evil spirit is, is trying to tempt us in a way that all human beings uh, have experienced, whether they know it or not, right. uh, suggestions to do uh, something uh, evil or sinful. Now, one has to be careful because you don't really know in an individual uh, situation how much uh, something, let's say, sinful comes out of a person's human experience and, and fallen human nature, the weakness of their human nature, and how much might be suggested by some kind of evil spirit. Uh, and, and none of this, by the way, absolves people of responsibility just because someone is tempted that doesn't take away their free will and people who are severely oppressed retain their free will now normally speaking people who are possessed 
of course, have free will, too. Right. But when the demon is, in these rare instances where the demon is fully in control of them, that's, that's the rare instance where uh, they have lost their free will because they've lost their consciousness. At that point, not always, but a lot of, most of the time, at that point, they're kind of out of it. They're kind of in some kind of a trance. Uh, and again, there there are some exceptions to almost everything I've just said. I've, I've seen cases of possession where the person is aware that it's happening to them. And then there are also, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to get into the weeds here, but there are also these in-between cases where a demonic, a demonic uh, spirit can control uh, a certain part of the person, like their voice or or even moving their arms or something, without fully being able to... Uh, take them over. Doctor, are those people lucid when this happens, like at the point where they can control their Well, voice? there are a few people, again, who are lucid. These uh, oppressions shade into possession, so people who are severely oppressed may, may begin to lose a little control of their voice or something. A voice may come out of them. And if you want, and again, I don't want to get hung up on terminology, you could say they're they're subject to a little bit of a possession, and they, uh, but they they are lucid. They do retain their consciousness, and some people would just say that's a severe uh, oppression as opposed to, to a possession. But I, you know, I've also seen cases, and again, I don't want to get too um, esoteric here, but I, I, I've seen cases where clearly the demon takes over, and the person has has no control of of themselves but that they are a little that the the underlying personality the human personality is 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 somewhat aware of what's going on have you ever taken so there's there's these variety of cases and variety of terms i mean all paranormal means uh uh, uh mr burris by contrast all paranormal means is that there's something clearly beyond uh, human abilities or, or normal human nature. Sure. Uh, now, I happen to think, um, you know, for various reasons over the years, I happen to think that a lot of what we think of as the paranormal is, in fact, as some of the criteria uh, exhibited during a possession, uh, which is also in another sense, I guess you could use the word paranormal, but I, I tend to think a lot of the paranormal is in fact diabolic. And that brings up you know, a good by that, by that I mean caused, you know, caused by demons. Sure. And doctor, I, I got to talk to you about that. I know we're running out of time, but I wanted to tell you, I'm into that. You know, last time we spoke, I grew up with it. I can't help it. I'm a religious background and uh, it was in our home. I never had a chance not to believe in the paranormal. Well, when you said it was in your home, you, you're talking about what, an apparition or what you thought was a ghost? That's correct. It was a woman in our home. Uh, yeah. It was recorded that she had died. It's, you know, standard textbook, what you hear today from a ghost story, but it happened. My fam- family seen it. The, they told me a woman rented the room upstairs so I would sleep in my room until I was 10, you know. But finally, my parents set me down and said, son, we have a ghost in the house. And that's why the priest comes by. Of course, the priest would come by and bless the house anyway, uh, at least once a month. And um, I remember going room to room with the father and, you know, blessing the house. And you would still see this woman. She did nothing 
uh, you know, you'd see lights on and off. You would see things happen like that. Things would be moved. Um, you yourself saw the woman? I did. I seen her several times. Yeah. I, I would just be playing Nintendo, you know, sitting on the floor. And I would yeah. see this woman go around the corner sometimes. She wasn't, like, staring at you. Uh, the only thing I noticed with her is she had no eyes. And I'm not talking about big black sockets. It just, she had no eyes. And I know it sounds weird, and I know you're going to think, well, it's just a kid. But my father's seen this, my mother. So we lived with it every day. Uh, and we went to church religiously and mass and everything else. But the thing about it is, to this day, I've followed uh, some of the greats, the, the work they've done, uh, Hans Holzer, people like that, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And there's so much fake stuff out there. I mean, the market's saturated with it. But I'm really interested in this from both a religious standpoint and a scientific so I've tried to go to these places. Just this Sunday, I have a um, the Randolph County Asylum here in Winchester, Indiana. It's supposed to be haunted. I usually don't like going to places where ghost hunters go uh, because I'm, I'm, I want to see this experience. And perhaps it's because of what I grew up with. I wanted to see if I was nuts, which I know I was not. My father and my mother, as I said, experienced it. The, the father himself experienced it while he was there. But to this day, I've seen things, but I've never seen it as strong as I did when I was a young man, when I was eight or nine or ten. But my parents, they haven't experienced that either. Now, what I want to ask you about the paranormal, and I know you kind of got, got on me last time we spoke about you need to be careful, man. And you are right. And I try to say a prayer every time I go into these places. I'm not a traditional ghost hunter. I do go in with these boxes and stuff and try to use electronic voice phenomena because I think there's something there. I do. And I do the ITC research uh, with prayer. Remember, I pray. I make everyone with me pray to do this. But I know also in the Bible, it says you shouldn't seek out witches. Don't dabble with witchery or leave the dead alone, basically paraphrasing, of course. But I wanted your honest opinion on these things. I know you said that you think the majority of these are demonic. Um, and maybe you're right. But I, I just I don't understand. Are they just hiding in the shadows, waiting to deceive at every angle? Could it be humans that have passed? I know the Bible says absent from the body present with the Lord. But couldn't there be more to this? And if they are all demonic, what should I do besides run from this? Because it's in my blood. I, I love to research. I want to find the truth. Well, remember, curiosity killed the cat. That's true. <laughs> uh, you do have to be careful in this area. I, I have a friend who consults with Hollywood a lot in these shows of the paranormal, and uh, he's a good Catholic guy. And he says to me that in his experience, a lot of the people who investigate these things, uh, they do begin to uh, get harassed themselves. I think you're illustrating by your story, because it was not just yourself who saw this spirit, uh, let's call it for the moment, and it was also other family members, and, and that's that's where, again, you get a lot of added credibility when you can assume that uh, different, different people uh, have had the same experience. But let me answer, let me answer your question a little indirectly. Um, uh, two two uh, encounters I've had with people come to mind. 
One is a guy who got very involved in um, what's sometimes called neo-shamanism. It's a kind of uh, a cult, neo-pagan um, uh, effort and belief system, uh, very taken with the spirit world. And he admitted that he got in over his head and that he was uh, trying to explore the spirit world and then got ensnared himself. And he said to me something which is not unusual for people like that. He said, you know, I believe that demons can affect every one of my senses, uh, and they also can appear in almost any form. So uh, demons appear in a lot of different forms, so that's important to realize. You know, they don't always seem the same. They can... Uh, appear and and and, pro- and in and in ancient times and neo pagans they probably appeared as gods and goddesses. I mean, you right. know, people are not stupid. They believed in these things because they often felt they had a reason to believe in them. Right. But then I had another wo- a woman who came to me, and 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 this is also, I think, a very instructive case. So I tell people about it. Um, And she came to me and she said she was getting messages. And she was a very sane person, very good person. She said, I'm I'm getting messages that are are clearly, uh, and and it was clearly not psychotic, but it was messages. This is, this is, and she had a lot of other uh, kind of uh, diabolic attack as well. How was she getting um, the messages, doctor? I'm sorry. How was she receiving these messages? Well, she 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 would say by telepathy. Okay. She would say by um, messages in her head. So she wasn't hearing voices the way most mentally ill people say. I'm hearing voices. She said to me, "No, I don't hear it." But she said, "I'm I'm very convinced, doctor, that I I, I get very strong and coherent messages in my head." Yeah. And this is this is the kind of case where you particularly need you know, an experienced person, and and it helps to be a doctor, to be able to distinguish that this woman was not, you know, to use the vernacular, this woman was not crazy, this woman was not schizophrenic, but she she also had other things that would happen to her of a paranormal nature, and so her, her, her belief that she was getting messages which again is, is a rare experience for people, no, nowhere near as common as mental illness, but still something that people do experience. Right. Uh, if you keep your eyes open, and if, of course, if you see as many cases as I've seen. Anyway, long story short, if you accept the premise that she was receiving these, let's call them paranormal messages for a while, she said, you know, Dr. Gallagher, they tell me that uh, they're angels. And they tell me that uh, they have a special mission for me. Hmm. And I said, well, what do you think of that? And she said, well, I I think I'm just an ordinary person. I don't think angels have a special mission for me. So I I don't know what these messages really are. And then she came back to me a couple of months later because I encouraged her to stay in touch with me and let me know what happened and, and to pray about this and to ask for our, our Lord's guidance. And she was also in touch with a priest who had, who had sent her to me. And she came back and she said, the messages have changed, doctor. Now they claim that they're dead souls. 
And I said, so what do you think of that? She said, well, uh, you know, I, I try to be a very good Catholic, and I realize that the Bible uh, really discourages communication with supposed dead dead spirits. So I, I don't really believe that either, uh, because I certainly didn't invite them in. And then a few weeks later, she came to me for a third time, and she said, well, I finally figured out what they are. And I said, and I kind of suspected that she would say this. She said, they're really, they, they say now they're evil spirits. And so clearly, doctor, they've just been trying to fool me by pretending first to be angels, then to be deceased humans, and then to be, um, you know, evil spirits. Liars. And, you know, Mr. Burris, in exorcisms, uh, a lot of priests have the following experience. And, I, and again, I've observed this myself because uh, I, I didn't go to Julia's exorcisms, but I, I, I've been to scores of exorcisms in my life. And one of the things the priest tries to do is get the evil spirit to reveal its name. And, and they eventually, you know, generally do. Um, but before they do that, they will do something very similar to what this woman experienced. They will pretend to be something else. And they will generally pretend to be a dead soul before eventually, uh, under the influence of the, the priest's commands during the exorcism, they are forced to reveal their true identity. Uh, there, there was a relatively famous case uh, historically in the uh, middle of the last century where the spirit of the possessed individual would constantly be saying, uh, well, I'm, I'm Judas Iscariot. Yeah. And the, the consensus among experts was that that was an evil spirit pretending to be Judas Iscariot. And that just as with this woman... It was evil spirits who were pretending to be uh, dead souls, and, and they even say that. And there, there are certain religions where you know people think you know Eastern religions where people think they're in communication uh, with dead souls and stuff. And and I, I think it's generally, uh, maybe exclusively, although I know a few exorcists who believe that you know some people have spoken or been harassed by dead souls. But I think the burden of proof, uh, you know, given the anecdotes that I just told, the burden of proof has tended to be among faithful Catholics on the idea that demons are so invested in confusing and harassing people. I mean, they want to destroy us. They want to attack us. Perhaps most of all, they want to corrupt us. But they also constantly want to confuse us. So a lot of the phenomena in the paranormal world and in, 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 in some pagan religions, for instance, has been just that. Historically, uh, people claim, well, uh, you know, I have evidence of reincarnation. I have evidence of communication with dead souls. I have evidence that gods and goddesses... Uh, or sprites or whatever are 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 uh, in touch with me and helping me and hurting me. Right. One one sensible Catholic reading of all that is that it, those are all demonic tricks to try to confuse people. 
and they do confuse people. And so I'm I'm under the I'm of the idea that um, an awful lot of what we call paranormal phenomena are kind of demonic strategies and tricks to harass and confuse people. And I, I, w- I would say the same about, uh, for instance, hauntings. Uh, I, I don't think we really know for sure, and there have been some real scholarly experts who have been convinced that they are not, in fact, deceased humans. They are spirits pretending to be deceased humans. And since they know a lot about us, and since they know a lot about, you know, the lives of people who have died, it's not hard for them to do that. People like, uh, someone like yourself is probably aware of someone like uh, Edgar Casey. Sure. Edgar Casey has sometimes been called the father of the New Age, and he was this, uh, what I think was an occultist in the uh, early uh, 20th century. And he claimed to be able to heal people by... And, and and very prominent people went to see him, the President of the United States, uh, I think Arthur Conan Doyle, and and they would claim that he would have these kind of uh, esoteric healing. And he claimed he was in um, cahoots, that he, he, would, he would go into a trance, and he would claim that the voice of a German physician who had died like 150 years ago was giving him these these cures. And, and the cures were clearly kind of bogus, you know, plants and stuff like that, that would have no, no real effect to anybody knowledgeable about medicine. And um, now most of us would believe that a guy like that, and there have been other people throughout history like him too, these kind of, uh, some people call them uh, psychic healers or demonic healers. Sure. Uh, uh, I myself am convinced that is supposed communication with uh, this deceased physician that he claimed to be getting this uh, uh, special knowledge from was was simply a demonic trick. So I think, uh, in short, uh, one has to be very careful in dealing with any kind of um, belief or communication uh, of uh, deceased spirits. Uh, again, I know I know some some scholarly, sensible people who believe that that that's possible. But there was a famous uh, uh, Christian saint and writer who said all these things should be presumed to be demonic and proven otherwise. Sure, and, and I think that's a, a reasonable. Uh, philosophy to go by. It's the safest route. I could see that, uh, Doctor. I got to ask you real quick. I'm going out to the Randolph County Asylum in Winchester, Indiana, Sunday, and they've seen reports of uh, patients still standing in the hallways, ghosts of patients, uh, that they believe it was a, a poor home. It was a poor house um, back during the Civil War era, and they believed that some of the patients that passed away there still uh, linger their souls in this place, of course. So it's a classic haunting-type deal. I'm going to go out there. I, I don't carry a bunch of equipment. I carry my camera and, like I said, ITC, ET, EVP, just a recorder, stuff like that. Nothing flashy. If you were going with me, what would you say? Because I, I do this stuff. I know I put myself on the front line out there, and I, I kind of feel that I'm doing kind of what God has drove, driven me to do it with my life because I grew up with this in my home. If it's not the, for that purpose, to try to find proof, 
you know, because I think that brings more people to God. Proof of the paranormal. The first book I ever read, uh, more than a book uh, that I ever read that had paranormal encounters was in the Bible itself. Uh, But yet, again, most Christians don't even want to have a conversation about it. Uh, Well, because, because, Mr. Burris, the Bible warns people about doing this sort of thing. Sure, it does. Attempting to investigate or... uh, uh, or even communicate with with spirits, knowing that uh, there are evil spirits who are constantly trying to confuse people. Um, I mean, there are people who, I mean, I know you're a serious investigator, but there are people who get caught up in this thing, just as there are people who throughout history have gotten caught up in uh, astrology and uh, what was called necromancy, which was uh, communication with spirits. Sure. You know, one of the remarkable things historically Obsession. about the, um, the the Hebrew tradition, the, the Jewish tradition, was that pretty much uniquely in history, the ancient Hebrews disowned having uh, involvement in this stuff. They saw this as paganism. Right. And so they they came up with a uh you know very elevated ethical and monotheistic uh set of beliefs which uh, those of us who are Jewish or Christian you know believe was a special revelation from God but they 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 kind of eschewed all this occult mumbo jumbo right. because they felt that they would be tricked by it and and that it was a kind of a pagan type of idolatry uh, so I, I would suggest uh, you, you, you think about the viewpoint that throughout history, evil spirits have been active. They're not all over the place, but they're constantly trying to hide themselves as one thing or another. I mean, in, in certain situations, you know, they confuse people by... by uh, sort of masquerading almost as something psychotic. Right. I mean, there are psychotic individuals, and I, I say to some of my uh, fundamentalist friends, I say there's no demon of schizophrenia. Right. But there are uh, people who experience uh, real illnesses that involve voices, but then there are other people who experience genuine demonic attacks, although much more rarely. And I, I would say the same of, of people who see things, apparitions, apparitions of ghosts, and sometimes apparitions even of things like angels. Uh, you have to be very careful. The church has always warned people about uh, going after th- sensationalist things because they may be dealing primarily with a realm that is just apt to confuse and waste their time. Sure. Uh, so I do caution people about it, and uh, rightfully so. I'll even have the uh, I'll even have the uh, chutzpah to uh, uh, to caution you about some of your own investigations. No, I've always listened to you, Doctor, and I respect everything you say. And I definitely, I tell you, since we spoke last time, I actually added the opening prayer to every investigation at the beginning. And I know that's kind of <laughs> like you know well, starting I out. That, I think that is a wise thing to do. You know, as I said. Uh, this friend of mine who consults the, some of the Hollywood programs on this subject has said that in his in his experience, 
a number of those investigators have gotten themselves into trouble. Yes, and I have spoken so, to some that a have a word had... to the wise. Absolutely, doctor. And you know, I know we're out of time. I just want to say if human spirits do exist out there, which you've said that you know there's there is a possibility, is there something we can say or something we can do to differentiate between the two? Like starting an EVP session. I I know you don't like this stuff, but if if I was to start an EVP session and I say I am here to talk to Mr. and Mrs you know, fill in the blank and they're dead and they died in this place. Is there anything that I could do to kind yeah, of, I wouldn't again. Uh, and, and again, I respect, I respect, you know, what I know of your work, uh, Mr. Burris, but I wouldn't communicate with these creatures. I do. Understand I, I would not, that. I would not attempt to that. That is precisely what is warned about in the Bible that we should, that you should, that human beings should not communicate with spirits. I mean, sometimes under rare circumstances where the priest is commanding them to, you know, leave leave uh, possessed individuals, uh, most good exorcists say, you know, we have to restrain our curiosity. Uh, you know, we, we, we can command, not everybody, but an authorized person can command spirits to to liberate them, but should not be involved in kind of idle curiosity about them. Right. Uh, I mean, I know you're, you're trying to be a serious investigator. All I'm saying is don't ignore uh, the warnings that that are quite clear in the Bible that that we are not supposed to communicate with spirits. You are correct, my father. Even, even if you think, even if you think they're 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 not evil spirits, but uh, well, might be evil deceased human spirits. True. Uh, and again, there's a lot of people, as you know, who believe in that stuff. I know there's there are a couple of sites in America where, you know, people can stay overnight in haunted houses and stuff. Um, I mean, I think that's basically kind of a waste of time, but uh, it, it, it can also be uh, appealed to a kind of curiosity that, that may not be a super healthy thing to do. do you I'm think, sorry to say. No, I understand, Doctor. Do you think maybe these things, these creatures... This filth are drawn to these places where these violent acts happen. You know, most people go to the axe murder house or all this stuff, and a lot of it's commercialized, and people just want to stay somewhere with a spooky history. But do you think that it, these demons, if if they're not ghosts of our deceased loved ones or deceased people, do you think they're drawn to this by some kind of energy, like like attracts like? Are they drawn to us? I, I know. Well, I, I don't like. I don't like the theories about energy because a, a lot of, for instance, of occult movements and Eastern religions talk about these energies in the human body, and most of that stuff I think is kind of pseudoscientific. But right. yes, you, you're right. These these kind of incidents, whatever they whatever they are, these kind of incidents often surround places where something terrible has happened, where murder has happened or something. But again, that, that doesn't automatically mean that, you know, the, the person who was murdered, you know, is the person on the scene as a spirit. Sure. Uh, you know, as a Catholic that, you know, we believe people are either in heaven or those of us who believe in purgatory will go to heaven or they're um, in hell. And uh, this intermediate realm where they're hanging around on the earth for a while, and, and again, I'm well aware that even some Orthodox 
people believe that uh, deceased spirits may wander around a little bit on the earth. I mean, maybe that's part of their purgatory or something. But uh, I, I, I do think one has to be cautious that one is not simply being tricked by evil spirits. There was a famous Jesuit scholar named Herbert Thurston um, who wrote about this subject, and he was kind of a ghost investigator. And he was convinced that there were so many people harmed by some of these apparitions that at least in the in the more dramatic ghost stories, he was an Englishman, and the English are very partial to to ghost stories sure uh he he warned people that they were probably dealing with evil spirits and uh, i i i kind of especially since i've been to as i said before to possessions and talk to individuals who feel they've gotten messages from deceased humans or been possessed by deceased humans only to eventually become convinced, especially as an exorcism is successful, say, uh, that they they were fooled by evil spirits. I, I've seen so many of those uh, incidents and talked to so many of those people who've had that experience that uh, I, I, I do, I not only take the biblical warning seriously that we shouldn't be communicating with these creatures, but wh- whatever they are, but also I'm, I'm convinced that it's almost certainly at least in in a large number of cases, simply diabolic tricks. I've come to believe that if it wasn't for God's protection, the evil spirits who who want to confuse us and who want to uh, corrupt us, but if it was up to them, they would also kill us all. And it it sounds like kind of a medieval hyperbolic statement, but... I mean, I've become convinced seeing the 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 havoc that evil spirits, again, uh, not all over the place, but in select situations, can um, can wreak on human beings. That that is exactly their attitude. They want to destroy us all. And if it wasn't for you know protection of God and angels and saints and uh, you know they 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 would be much more successful. But our Lord prevents that. And uh, as we talked about, I think, when we talked years ago, you know, uh, we are on the winning side. We don't have to be overly uh, depressed or pessimistic about this stuff because we know that if we if we turn to our Lord, um, even though holy people have been attacked, too, but we know if we turn to our Lord, uh, all is well in the long term. Doctor, one more question. That's it. I swear to you. Uh, did you notice during any of your exorcisms, or when you were present for any of these exorcisms, a, a atmospheric change, anything like that? I, I was in a room with a person that claimed to be possessed one time, and everybody had always told me about the eyes. It was specifically the voice. There's this this, this different type of voice that you hear, and somehow it's linked to several demonic uh, experiences, but what I want to ask, did you notice from a scientific aspect, did you notice any change in the pressure in the room, electrostatic energy, anything like that during any of these? I, I, I've gone to a fair amount of exorcisms, and again, uh, that stuff can happen. I, I haven't witnessed it personally. 
But in in select, uh, I would say, severe situations, the demonic world has these amazing abilities. And, you know, they speak languages, they can uh, exhibit enormous strength, they, they have this hidden knowledge. But in select situations, and including in the, the exorcisms of Julia, as described to me by, again, about 10 people, they did have the ability to change the temperature of the, of the room where the exorcisms were being uh, uh, done. So, for instance, at times, according to these witnesses, at least what they told me, the room would become very, very cold. And then at another point, the room became kind of stifling hot, so that the chief exorcist um, said to me afterwards, he said, it was, it was like I was uh, uh, standing next to a um, mammoth boiler. And the way he described it was, uh, you know, I felt like I was at the portal of hell, you know. Right. Um, that would that would that was so. that was his term, not mine, but clearly uh apropos of your question uh sometimes uh, evil spirits have the ability to 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 change the environment to an extent as well. Right. Absolutely. Okay, doctor, I just want to say I love you, buddy. I support everything you do. I, I, I follow everything I can about you. Your book, Demonic Foes, comes out next year. Anything you can tell us about that, where we can get it when it is out? Well, I'll, 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 I'll comment to that, on that briefly after I ask your audience to, because uh, I'm shameless in asking people to pray for me. So I ask the people in your audience to pray for the protection of myself and my loved ones as I continue this work. Uh, Absolutely. This work, by the way, that I never volunteered for, but somehow uh, stumbled upon me. Uh, but... If people are interested in the book, again, it, it's it's not going to be out until at least, I'd say, you know, sometime in the middle or, or second part of next year. It's published by, uh, you know, a very reputable firm, HarperCollins. Uh, it's called Demonic Foes, my 25 years as a psychiatrist investigating demonic possession, diabolic attacks, and the paranormal. Uh, you got a preview of uh, a lot of my ideas in this interview today, but it is available. You, you know, if people want to, I don't know why you would, but if people want to order it, you can actually pre-order it on Amazon already. It's it's listed on Amazon, uh, but it actually won't be out, Mr. Burris, until uh, uh, until towards the middle or even the second half of next year. Well, we can't wait from that, and we can learn much from it, and I'll definitely be one of the first to buy it, Doctor. Well, you're, you're obviously very knowledgeable about the field, so uh, it, it's, it's a pleasure to do an interview with you because uh, you're obviously a knowledgeable guy. Dr. Richard Gallagher, everybody, board-certified psychiatrist professor at the New York Medical College and, of course, the member of the International Association of Exorcists. The greatest trick the devil ever tried was convincing humans that he didn't exist. Whether you believe or not, there could be no question that faith and prayer is always a good thing.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.